This is JJ Devaney from ESPN, Caught Offside, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. And this is Danny Roberts from Jack Dempsey's listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. JJ and Danny. What's up, boys? What's up? How you doing? Mike, how are you? Very good. You guys have entertained and educated me the entire World Cup. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Was it me and Danny or me and Andrew? Uh, no, Danny too. In Andy. the office. In the office. At work. Right. He comes walking in, checking on me because he's my boss to make sure I'm doing work. Okay. He's like, oh, you're watching the game? We have the big TVs. We just stand there in like a certain angle where we can watch TV on one screen and the other screen. So we get to watch it at the same that time. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's the way you got to do it. Well, first of all, I want to say... Your haircut looking nice. Thank you very much. A new style. It's Yeah, it's a bit tighter. I went to this barber in Brooklyn mm-hmm. across the street, and he did a great job, but he's one of those guys who takes the wheel. So you tell him what you want, and halfway through your explanation, I, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. <laughs> he gives you what looks good. And then at the <laughs> what end... He thinks look, what he thinks looks well, good. Well, right, but at the end, he's um, he's taken out hairspray. He's got a like a, a, a blow dryer out. Oh, I don't know what's happening here. And like I tweeted out, I look like a dollar store Olivier Giroud. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like imagine if you took a hatchet to Olivier. Imagine a bad night out for Olivier Giroud and he, got, he gets beaten up. That's, it. That's what you end up like. Well, I just want to thank you for not forgetting the little people. You're over. You're on CBS Radio, ESPN National, ESPN Local, and yet you still have time to come to Jack Dempsey's to partake in an alcoholic beverage and talk soccer. So. You're the big people. In my yeah, view. I wish. <laughs> well, well, put it to you this way. When all that stops and it does come to an end... Because as uh, Carmela Soprano said in, I think it was season five of The Sopranos, you know, Tony, all this comes to an end, and it does come to an end. And you guys will still be here. Well, so. Lonely, waiting for you to come up those stairs wow, with your sharp-looking haircut. I don't know if it's like that. Hopefully it's not four years from now. No, it can't be four years from now. You know what? It's four years since we started the podcast. That, four years. That's incredible. 2014. So this has been a reflective World Cup as well. How much has it grown Interaction-wise, because when you started the pod, it was like, okay, everyone has a podcast. Have you noticed so much more interaction during the... Yeah, a massive, a huge amount, especially in the first weeks of the World Cup. The first game, I remember, just like Twitter is popping, and I remember um, just just a general like buzz about the tournament. But I, I kind of felt it from the, from the start of the group preview, previews, and um, totally different from 2014. I, I feel like me and Andrew have kind of found our voice a little bit, uh, and... You know, you kind of settle into a style. And also, big thanks to Pete Giannisini, who's one of the, the audio, the pod, well, the head podcast and audio guy in, uh, in ESPN in Bristol. So, he, you know, he's played a huge part in that. And uh, it's been brilliant. And, yeah, it's, it's weird, guys, because, uh, and I don't know if this is the road you want to go down, but it feels like the World Cup's on its, you know, it's, it's coming towards the, the denouement, as the French say. So we've got the two semifinals mm-hmm. and the final on Sunday. And there's like this sense of loss already creeping into people's Doom. lives. Doom. Yeah, where it's over. And I had it profoundly last night. I'll tell you a very quick story. No, t- take your time, man. So I'm in Sunset Park. And it's a beautiful evening. And the sun is setting in Sunset Park. And I'm dropping off. It's crazy how your life revolves around the game. I'm dropping off my, 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 my fees for the club I pay for, okay. the Norwegian club, SEO, and they've got a clubhouse in Sunset Park. 
So I'm dropping off my fees for last year, which of course I didn't pay on time. So I'm leaving them behind the bar and I come out and I'm strolling along and it's just like beautiful weather. I've already had one drink in there. So I decide I'll drop into the Irish Haven on 58th and 4th. I have four more. Classic <laughs> spot. I actually did have four more. <laughs> to, to the number, that exact number. And I'm sat in the bar and I'm watching NYCFC and the Red Bulls in the, in the New York Derby. A little and, different. Uh, Just a little. It's unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And there's 30,000 people there in the stadium. Now, I know they draw a crowd in around 22, 25 anyway at the Yankee Stadium. But that's got to be bolstered by the fact that people have been just juiced and buzzed and pumped and whatever word you want by the World Cup. And so they're, they're looking for, for live football, live soccer in their area. And they've gone to the game. And the game is just, it's just terrible. It's just a drudge. And I'm, I'm enjoying none of it. And, and, and that's what it's going to be like. Well, I actually didn't want to skip down. But I actually, you know, I make a prep sheet. And I, my thing was, is it uh, weird that I'm getting this anxious feeling? Yeah. Because now, Danny and I spoke about this beforehand. 2014 is when I really watched the World Cup. I said it last time you were here. I'm like, I watched soccer barely during the World Cup. 2014, I go all in, watch Germany the first game, become the biggest German fan. Right. That's it. I wouldn't miss only when Germany played. I'd miss a match here and there. Now, this one comes along. I'm into the qualifying. I'm in Argentina watching qualifying. Now, I'm like, yeah. so ready for this. And now, I just told him... I have like this anxious feeling like it's over soon. Right. And he's like, yeah, we got Premier League. I'm like, I know. But this, for me, was like, it blew my mind. The, these games, you don't miss any games. Like, I'm already kind of like... I'm, Missing we're, it. We're delaying the inevitable. Like, in three meaningful games, it's over. And I'll see you in four years. That sucks, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. Um, it's also, in a, if, if you look at it in a larger sense, like, this might be the last World Cup of the World Cups that I've grown up on and that you've grown up on from 2014 and 2018. Excuse me. Because the next one is going to be in Qatar in the winter. I mean... It, it's a little different. I mean, the format and, at least no, stays the same. It's not a little different, man. It's seismic. It's massive. So? A summer World Cup is... There's... I always talk in the podcast about the natural rhythms of the game and four years coming and you take a summer off and you watch it and, and Qatar is going to be such a break and such a jolt. And, and let's, let's be honest, it's going to be in a non-football country. This is not a, a country, this is not a Germany, this is not an England, this is not a Russia. Russia, let's be fair, has a football background. This, yeah. this is totally different. And then I thought about it further and the European Championships, the next European Championships in 2020 isn't going to be in one host nation. It's going to be spread Split. out amongst the European nations, which isn't so bad because travel times are, are probably, probably better than Russia. But <laughs> this could be the last World Cup as we know it because then we're going to be into, even in the World Cup that's going to be here, it's going to be 48 teams. And I'm just wondering, are we, are we heading towards the saturation point and, and have FIFA, are, are they looking to eat the golden goose? I'm, all these concerns are running through my head and, and it's feeding into that sense of anxiousness that this is, this is the last one, boys. You know, I didn't think of the Qatar thing because... <clears throat> that's in four more years. It's cool now going to Studio Square or wherever you are. There's all outdoor bars with the outdoor TV. That plays into a big reason I became a fan because I was on like East 7th Street yeah. outside drinking beer with the German fans. Now it's going to be November, December in New York is ice cold. And I know they don't have to cater to New York audience, but it's going to be freezing cold here. Now you have to bundle up, go to the bar. It changes the atmosphere a lot. It, it changes the dynamic completely. You're just getting you're, you're just into the business what is usually the business end of the european season particularly in england and then it's it's stopped it's going to interrupt that natural rhythm of the leagues 
I don't know, guys. I, I feel like this is the end of something, and it, I don't know how it's going to be when we come out the other side in 2026. No, I was saying this is going to be the easiest podcast I've ever done because <laughs> I'm just going to say a topic, partaking a lot of water, and <laughs> you and Danny are just going to talk because you guys are like the sports. I know you don't want to say it. Soccer geniuses. You guys know about matches I can never think of. Let me ask you one question. 2014 World Cup. I watched games here and there. I haven't missed one game this World Cup. Is every World Cup this exciting, intense, no. dramatic? Because no. every game has you like on the edge of your seat like, oh my God, a one kick here, a goal here, this team's out, Germany's out. It's not always like this? No, it has, it's not always like that. No. The, the amount of competition has risen. Um, the amount of or the quality of the World Leagues has improved dramatically, uh, which in turn creates better national teams. Uh, where in the past, those teams have not existed. You'll see some teams in the past where they qualified simply because of the weakness of their, uh, of their uh, regional tournament. Uh, but this year, you have, for the most part, 90% high-quality teams. No, I think it's the exact opposite of that, actually. Um, the international game is now not what it was. It just isn't. Um, there's no time. There's less time for preparation. The European club season in particular has just become this behemoth. It's just enormous. And the amount of time that teams have to prepare and, and to create the kind of the culture and, and the team spirit that we've probably seen in the past in other teams isn't there. And so what you have is like you have a kind of a, a fragmented um, national team set up where, you know, the, the team that's best organized, what you were speaking to is right in the sense that like the lesser teams are much more organized now because they know organization is the easiest thing to do. I mean, we all marveled at Iceland in 2016. But look at them. They kind of got found out a little bit at this World Cup. But, and in another way, they didn't because that's what they always were. They were two banks of four, very, very organized. They had players playing in a better standard of league, like Danny referred to. Um, they were obviously had implemented coaching systems going back 10 years. Um, but, but generally, international football is not where it's at anymore. The club game is. The Champions League is the best standard of football in the world by, by a mile. And what's happened in, in, in the international game is... It's made it more fun because you look at, look at what Japan did to Belgium. I mean, you put those two teams out on, on paper. I mean, there's not, no competition. There's no competition, right. But there is a massive competition <laughs> right. because guess what? Uh, you know, uh, Roberto Martinez is, 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 is trying to figure out the best formation for his team almost on the fly, game to game and qualifying. I mean, you have the players for three days. You can only train so much. You can only work on so much stuff and qualify. And you might have two games over the weekend. Bang, you don't see them for another how many months. See, so it's hard to really implement the kind of things a club manager can. And, and that means that these teams are, are open, have more weaknesses, are less likely to be good. We saw it with Germany as well. We'll be fine in the tournament. We'll figure it out in the tournament. They didn't figure it out because you don't have time. There's no time to do it. You're thinking on the fly. The next game's coming quickly. So... It's fun and it's great, but it's not the best level of soccer. And probably that's what makes it great. That's what makes it fun, that these results can happen. It gives a little more parity. As far as yeah. the talent, the individual players might be better because they, uh, they excel Abs at these European leagues. 100%. Uh, but like you said, the, 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 uh, the league for the individual players and the drain on their physical body over the course of a year, especially a World Cup year when they're playing, especially in Europe, their club season, their Europa League or Champions League, and then to basically take no break jump right into World Cup prep. And also, the best managers aren't, aren't international managers. Imagine coming from working with the, with the amount of detail that a Klopp or Guardiola has. Imagine being plugged in then into some system and you're like, what is going on here? You know? Or even with Zidane and, say, like Tony Cruz. I mean, he had a very, very 
kind of specified role at Real Madrid, and then he's plugged into a German team, and and within within a match they've lost one 0 to Mexico, and he's looked like absolute garbage. He's been out of position. He's been giving away the ball. He looks like he can't track back. He looks like an amateur, and he's clearly one of the best players in the world. But he's 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 on he's on Germany now, and, and not Real Madrid. Well, I was going to say before we talk the final four, and you see how I said final four to make it like college basketball centric Ex- I know you guys say acceptable yeah I know you guys say the semi-finals but it's the final four well Rob Stone says semi-finals so. oh really? we're gonna go with the final four see they should capitalize on the goddamn final four thing shouldn't they I, I, I think they're probably playing a little bit too much of the American card okay yeah I think they could they've got to realize they're the bulk of their audience is, is, is okay with all the terms they don't need to dumb it down I want to start selfishly with Germany like you just brought up my team no one team in the world, they should have had a cakewalk going by the gambling sites that they should have easily yeah. won their um, their bracket, their pool, which shouldn't have been close. What happened to them? They lose to Mexico. They have to take literally um, probably the game of the tournament against Sweden to advance. To We thought they were going to advance and then lose to South Korea. What happened there? Um, well, if you go by the right-wing German media, it's all Mesut Ozil's fault. Everything is his fault. And... Uh, yeah, that's it's 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 gotten ugly since they've gone back. A lot of the papers have taken up what can only be described as a, a kind of a xenophobic line and, and questioning this guy. And I would be, I saw a guy on today from DW, one of their outlets, and and he's questioning whether um, Ozil will play for Germany again. Which is, considering he played pretty much every game since two thousand and nine, that's mattered in every tournament game since twenty ten. It's 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 bizarre. Um, what went wrong? I think up front they didn't have a cutting edge. I think a lot was left on the shoulders of Timo Werner, and you're like, oh, he's got pace in behind. He can give them something different. Well, there is no in behind against the teams that they played against that sat off deep, like the Swedens, which it took a set piece to beat them. Um, there is no in behind when you play like the, like South Korea. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Mexico didn't. Mexico played them perfectly. Mexico outnumbered them in midfield, caught them on the break. There was problems in the midfield. They kept the ball, but... Didn't do anything with it. They were just... When we were doing our group previews, we looked at them and we thought, all right, they've got a nice team. Uh, you know, more than a nice team. A, a, you know, every player is playing at a level that you can say, oh, wow, this is... this this uh, Their first 11 is going to be something to be reckoned with. But at the same time, you look for that X factor. Mesut Ozil has been in the past, but certainly is erratic. Um, Thomas Muller has been that in the past and... Has he produced compared to 2014 or 2010? No. Um, Werner is young and unknown. Where was their star man? You know, where was their guy that was going to open teams up? He just wasn't there. They lacked that bit of something. And, and we all, I think the other question we asked is, they've got quality players. How many of the players they've got are in the top five or top ten players in the world? Zero. All right. Yeah, not many. The one thing, the problem that they had is very similar to what Spain had with Russia, where they controlled the ball a lot, but they weren't able to get into the final third and create a lot of scoring opportunities. Yeah, and, and there was often times they were getting the ball out wide, and, and you're like, okay, well, Miroslav Klose is gone. Right, there's no one in the center to produce that. that it's probably header. amazing how they got by for so long with his goals. I mean, you, you have to wonder, since he's gone, have they re- really adequately replaced him? I mean, Mario Gomez is fine, but it's not really going to do it. He was a monster in the box. Like, you put anything in the middle, and he would get to it. So what happens now? Same thing, we're not comparing it to the USA, but now we have four years now to be like, hey, we got to, do they retool everything? 
do they try to bring up young like what is the next they, step now they did that how years? long ago uh, JJ they, they they revamped their entire system when they the Germans um, it would have been starting in the 2000s I think I think when they didn't get out of the group mm-hmm. at Euro 2000 they revamped the entire German football system yeah, at Euro 2000 they had just like this weird mix of players and they had like Lothar Matthias was 40 and he was playing sweeper which is just they were a mess and they lost to England, who also didn't get out of that group. Portugal and Romania came out of that group in Euro 2000. <laughs> so this has happened before to okay. major powers, um, but we just don't talk about it because it was the European Championships. So, um, yeah, they revamped things. They, they had a look top to bottom in, in, in how they were coaching and, and their youth structures. But, I mean, they were still competitive. Look at them in 2002. They got all the way to a final. I mean, I know, I know their run was almost similar to England's this time they had an easy enough run and they only dropped one point in the whole they only conceded one goal up until the final and that was the Republic of Ireland in the group stage 2004 wasn't great from them uh, 2006 was that re-emergence under Jurgen Klinsmann and it kind of kicked on from there alright so changes have to be made like the USA we have to start now they're going to start bringing maybe more youth players they, is that what happens now because it's four yeah, years now yeah and I think I mean we have four players in the German the Bundesliga like team to watch mm-hmm. the rookie team going forward into this season we've four players in that um team that was named the other day i know what does it mean n- n- a ball hasn't been kicked yet but we got weston mckinney and pulisic and josh Sargent hopefully coming through and um jonathan klinsman who i'm not so sure about yet but i mean he's been talked about that mm-hmm. and then there's haji Wright at chalka so we have got players it's all about getting your players to minutes at the top level that right. you can get them at it's great if they go there. Fantastic. But if they just sit on the bench, it you, defeats you the develop. purpose, right? You it's, don't it really kind of develop that much. It doesn't In training, you'll, it'll, you'll develop some. But it's, it's, for the most part, they, they got to play. Especially in those years, like 19 to 24, you've got to play. You're part of the media. Were you annoyed a little bit that, and I said this to you earlier, everything had to be Messi, Ronaldo, even they had nothing to do with the game. Mm. Me, this is like, I'm trying to be like, oh, I don't need to know them. I didn't care if so-and-so and so-and-so played. Messi did this. It was all Messi, Ronaldo. I even said now they're bringing Beckham into it. It's a little annoying that the U.S. media, I know you have to do it to bring popularity, but did it bother you a little bit? Like they had really nothing to do with X game and they were being talked about so much. Yeah, and, and I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was shoehorned into the conversation as well, even though, I mean, he... He, he does that for everything. Yeah, and he effectively <laughs> retired in 2016. But maybe I can understand it a little bit more considering the paucity of striking options that Sweden had and people were thinking, well, what could he have done? And th- what could they have done? What could this great team that's... Not great team, but this team that's done well in the tournament done if they had him? And like, I guess that's fair enough. I didn't like it. I was a little bit disappointed with some of that. I think after... Immediately after the uh, 1-1 draw between Argentina and Iceland, uh, don't cut back to studio and have your presenter say advantage Ronaldo. Well, I was just going to say we had the Spain Portugal <laughs> game, which was maybe the game of the tournament early on. That game was incredible. The Spain three three, and the headline was Ronaldo three. Your move, Messi. It's like mm-hmm. whoa. Let's capitalize on one of the best games yeah. I've ever seen. Like let's capitalize on that. And then, yeah, Ronaldo played his played his ass off, but but I think why I, is Messi involved? This I, exactly, and I think the games like. The games were selling themselves. I don't think they needed narratives imposed upon them. Now, people over here are going to tell me, well, you're not thinking about the flyover states. You're not thinking about the center of the country. You're thinking the two coastal sites, which are soccer-heavy areas. You're not thinking about down the middle. But I don't buy that for a second. I mean, with the, everybody knows who these players are. And, and like 
you can't spin it. You can't spin that uh, that Iceland Argentina game was a good game because you know it was interesting to see how Messi, stru- you know, how Argentina struggled in it and everything. But like to just cut back to the studio and then and then say something like that seems to be pandering. You know, kind of. Well, it seems easy too. Like the it easy did, way it is out. easy. Like why are you talking about that? Why don't you talk about the game? Why don't you talk about the fact that every time Salvio got the ball, the fullback, he had to come inside, which cr- crowded the middle, which <laughs> kind of contributed to the fact Messi couldn't find any space. Like do something like that. Like people aren't stupid. If if you treat them like they're stupid, you know, it, it just it comes off that way. And like I'm not slagging Fox off because I, I like some of the stuff that they did, and I like some of the presenters. I like Rob Stone. I, I like John Strong. I think he's a good commentator. I thought JP and Tony Miola were good mm-hmm. in, the, in their own way, and I thought um, um, Ali Wagner and Derek Ray were excellent. Like really well prepared, and I, I like the way they grew together. You know the relationship they built over the tournament. I thought it was good. Just don't don't ruin it then by playing to the lowest common denominator. They never played know? each other in the tournament, and the, and the if you would have been uh, just a bystander you would have thought that at some point Ronaldo and Messi were supposed to play each other and that either wasn't going to happen and they were not even involved in the group stage yeah I think there was a there was a genuine fear not not an expectation amongst people there was a genuine fear that because the the, the way the tables were were set up that they could have met if they hadn't had the early exits that they had if they both would have won if Argentina beat France right and Portugal won they would have played each other which would have been right which would have been something we should have enjoyed Mike but Mm -hmm. something that would have deeply irritated a lot of people who watch the game 12 months of the year I was going to say guys like you two you would have been infuriated because I bet you they would have had a Messi cam and a Ronaldo cam the whole game just watching their every move yeah and I mean if you, even if you just look at them as players now where once I think when when Ronaldo was making the transition from Manchester United to Real Madrid you could have made the argument that they were even similar in some way because Ronaldo could take players on Messi could take players on now they're not they're the polar opposite of I mean, Ronaldo is almost like a figure that only gets involved when he needs to score goals, which he does perfectly. He's like well. an assassin now, right? Really. That's what. Whereas he's Messi, the ideal striker. Yeah. Where, whereas Messi was like the the, the fulcrum of the, well, the non-functioning fulcrum of that team. So uh, to compare them is, look, I get it, I get it. Not everybody's a soccer head. Uh, maybe I should stop being, uh, you know, bitching and moaning and 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 wanting people to watch the game the way I do. I don't really want that, but I don't want. I also don't want people to be spoon-fed. Biggest disappointment that we have from both of you guys. Germany, Spain, Poland, Argentina. Biggest disappointment. I think Spain for me. I, t- I tipped them beforehand. And, and you know what? It was a mistake. And I wasn't paying attention. And I wasn't doing my homework. Because I watched them play Argentina. Who were a mess. And everybody had been telling me they were a mess. And I should never have gone on a friendly where, they, where Spain scored six goals against them. Where they were ripped apart. Because Argentina were experimenting at that time with their wingbacks, and it was a total disaster. And I looked at that game, and I thought, wow. Then I saw the opening game, and I thought, how well Spain kept the ball. I thought, how dangerous Diego Costa was to the Portuguese back line. And I also overestimated Portugal. So from those two games, I extrapolated that I was right in picking Spain, and I wasn't. They were so blunt up front. Um, they didn't have that cutting edge. And, and you know what, though? They could still be in the tournament if it wasn't for this unnecessary fear of Russia, this stupefying fear of Russia. They did not play one ball directly into Costa to play off him and are slinging across because they were afraid of giving the ball away, the ball away because of some non-existent threat from Russia on the break. Russia were falling over their feet. What we've discovered about Russia was as good as, or as, as game as they were against Croatia, they're not a very good team. And... Um, 
And Spain were so disappointed. No plan B. People are saying the deca- death of tiki-taka. I wouldn't say so. P- possession still rules. If you can keep the ball, you're in a good spot. What they need is just... At some point, the, the possession will only get you so far. You need somebody to move the ball forward to create those opportunities in front. And they had the would most... break the line. Someone to... Even, right. even if there was... One, you saw when Rodrigo came into the game. He just ran at people. Got ball in behind. Some, somebody like that. Something. Just, yeah. Somebody's going to do something for that game. When you see like 78% possession... And it's 1-1. One, one. It's like, holy crap, what are they doing wrong? It's crazy. What was it over, over 1,000 passes or something like that? Yep. I, I, they had the most amount of passes ever close to 1,200, if not 1,200. Were they your biggest disappointment too? As far as the, the actual talent of the, the tournament, probably yes. My heart is kind of with Messi. I'm a Messi fan. Very disappointing. We, saw you, we saw you go nuts when they scored in that last second when they won. I was already yeah, You, you kind of knew ahead of time that they had problems. Um, you saw a lot of the stuff where they, they were not able to get the ball into Messi to create opportunities off of him. Um, but they gave us one the only reason I would say like I know Spain gave us the natural goal and there was something like brilliantly bastardy about the Costa goal where he just elbows Pepe in, in the throat <laughs> <laughs> takes it down no and foul, smashes no it on no and you know what that was from a long ball yeah like learn something just do it again you know against <laughs> Russia um, but there, that moment for me um, where Benega picks the ball up and he turns, and there's there's a slow motion video on Twitter, and he turns oh, where it doesn't where it doesn't rotate at all, and he just clips it over the top for a Messi running through the Nigerian defense, and he controls it for the goal off the thigh. You pointed out like we're, we're watching the game together. He goes, "You don't understand how hard that is at full pelt." But I do because I play FIFA, so I know this. And I said, <laughs> "No," but he said, "He goes, please." And they kept showing. He's like, "You don't understand how yeah. no human can do what he just does. You stop it." It was like two touches on the left onto the right, bang. <laughs> Like it was just beautiful. I, 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 I wrote a poem on the podcast about it. It was so lovely. What? It was just gorgeous. Like the pass, everything about it. At least Messi gave us that. Let me ask you a thing about Messi because it, it's so infuriating that he's one of the greatest players of all time and yet he's not loved. I don't know where you said it or if you said it. Is it because he didn't play for Boca or he didn't play in Argentina? Is it because he's not considered quote-unquote Argentinian? Why? Is he compared to Mar- Maradona everything he does? See, I don't know if he's not loved, though, because it, it's hard to piece this together. So in 2014, um, Wright Thompson, who generally on soccer is really, really good for, for ESPN magazine. I love reading his stuff. He, he, he has the definitive piece on Suarez, if, if you want to read it, from the last World Cup. But he, he wrote a piece. I think it was Wright Thompson, anyway. It was in ESPN, the magazine, and it's about Messi, and it talked about him being unloved, and in his home country, and it listed many of the reasons. Because, look, his formative years were in Spain. But I read, if you look at the papers after the Ecuador game where he scored the hat-trick in qualifying, um, the papers in, in Argentina, Nacional, I think, is one of them, and they had this effusive headline. Like, not, it wasn't saying, no, he's ours, but he's, it, it was almost... I wish I had it in front of me. Is it like when the Yankee hits a grand slam in the first game, he earned his pinstripes? Is that risk? I don't like, know. basically, he earned his title, he's one of us now? It was almost like, yeah. It, that's, that was the general sense of the headline. And so I don't, I don't know what the common, the common guy thinks. I mean, he's so polarizing. He does great things. They love him. He does something bad. When you mess, he gone. Like, we do better without him. It's, I guess a lot of the beloved players came, came up and spent more time in Argentina. You know, Raquel May. All the guys that were supposed to replace Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> Raquel May, Ariel Ortega. Oh, my God. You think about it all. Too. I remember when Ortega burst through. I saw him in a game at Lansdowne Road against Ireland, and he put on this show. 
and you're like, oh my God, this guy will be the next Maradona. Never quite happened. Raquel May as well. Those are two guys. I suppose they had a connection to the homeland that Messi doesn't have. Maybe there is something in that. Because you love him. I'm a big Messi fan. It's, it's, it's sad. I, quite honestly, I, I don't think that he's going to be around to be a successful Argentina team. He'll never, unfortunately, win the World Cup. I don't think they're going to go down that route. And I think we'll be in the same route with Ronaldo, where Ronaldo and Messi will retire, and neither one of them will ever win the World Cup. And yet, it seems like it's accepted. Ronaldo, oh, Portugal's not a powerhouse, because look what else he does. And Messi's like, you're supposed to win one. That's how it, it seems. Yeah, but again, R- Ronaldo's... Golden generation in Portugal didn't win anything, and they and um, should have won a European Championship when Ronaldo played in his first major tournament in two thousand and four, and they didn't. Um, they lost in a final to Greece, which was incredible. But a team that was expected not to do that won the European Championships in in two thousand and sixteen. So he's always got that, and it's not so much that Messi hasn't won uh, a World Cup; it's that Diego did. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't had a, a talismanic, like a really truly global icon. Since, like Maradona, like I said, I named the other guy, Raquel May and Ortega, but they never... I mean, they were never to that level. No. Never. They were fantastic players, and for one reason or another didn't get there, but um, they weren't Maradona. And he's always going to be in the shade of, of El Diego. And when Diego shows up full of white... Oh, wo- God. <laughs> full of white wine. cigar, give him the finger. All right, let's no more Messi Ronaldo talk. Favorite thing in the past three and a half weeks that you've seen at the World Cup? Your favorite moment or thing? Oh, wow. My favorite moment or thing... Um, you too, Dan. Your favorite thing that you saw or anything like, wow, I just, I love this sport. <laughs> I think... Uh, I'll I, give mine last. I love Pavard's volley. I thought that was absolutely amazing. I absolutely adored that. Um, Belgium-Japan blew my mind mm-hmm. because of the way they played. Did, did that goal, the, the third goal by Belgium, did it remind you of any playing in the 2010 World Cup? No. The Tim Howard play? Threw the ball out. Uh, the oh, the, the final Be- Belgium goal. Um, no, because the goalkeeper say parried the shot, the initial shot by Altador. Correct. The initial shot was parried, and it, oh, yeah, it yeah, broke. It broke to to, to Donovan, Donovan, who had the striker's in- instinct to tap it home. Whereas it was a continuous possession from from the beginning to the right. end. That's to the dummy. You, that's but it's similar. Yeah. It's similar yeah, in, yeah. in the breakout. Um, there's, there's a moment that didn't even lead to a goal, but it was just, I guess, that moment where he thought Japan could be knocking Belgium out. And I think it's at 2-2. And Honda's just come onto the field. And Kagawa, who had a magnificent afternoon, has picked the ball up. And he's played this slide rule incision pass right onto the onrushing Honda. And Courtois saves it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's it. Right that there. was their moment. I love that moment. Do you know why I loved it? Because most other teams, um, leading 2-0 against Belgium and now being pegged back are sitting back they're sitting back even if even yep. if they haven't been pegged back even if it's still 2-0 they're seeing it out yes they're going to do whatever they can they're they playing. went for it they didn't know that the joy in 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 the way they played and the inventiveness just captivated me I, I honestly I said it to Andrew I thought it was the best performance outside of a traditional powerhouse that I've seen it was just wonderful and then maybe maybe um Oh, you know what? De Bruyne's goal. De Bruyne's goal against Belgium or against Brazil was the second one. The breakaway from Lukaku, and he just pings it into the bottom corner. Is that, is that when he picked his foot up? Lukaku picked his foot up when the ball was going across. No, that's the goal against uh, Japan. Japan. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. No, no, oh, the Brazil game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay. they broke. Uh, they broke down and, and, and targeted the left hand side. The, the right hand side, as you're watching the screen, the ball comes across to De Bruyne, and he just laces it into the bottom corner. It's like straight. Those moments were. 
There, there was a goal. I can't remember the the the, the circumstances and, and the team, but there was there was a goal where an instant replay, the ball absolutely did not rotate. Did you see that shot? That strike um, into the upper corner. Oh, you came and told me about it. Like, put it on right now. I, I can't remember the, the team or the situ- the particular situation. Took that one though. Did it didn't rotate at all? Mm, not at all. It was perfectly struck. That could be a Nui for Japan against Belgium because that ball didn't really rotate at all either. Um, it just it just went straight into the net. There's there's other moments as well. Like how I mean, it's forgotten. It's buried. But uh, uh, Musa's goal for Nigeria against uh, Japan as well, or against Iceland. We thought that was going to be the goal of the tournament. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I feel like we've seen how many. Uh, picking there's the goal, the goal so of this many. tournament is going to be almost impossible. It, is it good for? I'm going to keep bringing it back to. Americanized because that seems to be the theme. Obviously, I'm American, but that there was no ze- like maybe one zero zero game. It was important that a lot of goals were scored to you know like kind of spoon feed us. Look, it's not zero zero every game. It was that important. I think it was important that it was exciting early, and that if you're going to have a nil nil, if you're going to have a nil nil, it happened later. But I don't think um, again. I, I maybe it's because the audience we have are specifically soccer people, and that's all they hear from in in, in America. It, but I don't think America. I think Americans aren't bothered. I think they get what it is now. And you know what? The, the Sunday before July Fourth, so that Sunday where Croatia played Denmark, Russia played Spain. I mean, n- neither of those games was particularly inspiring. I mean, the second game, Croatia, Croatia, Denmark, was one one after four minutes, and then that stayed and, that way, right? A- so that was the kind of game where you're like, but I was in a, I was in a house at a house party, and and um, people were absolutely captivated by it captivated because they knew penalties was coming so I think people understand I remember last 16 games most last 16 games I remember are like can be or sorry knockout games I should say can be really tetchy nervous turgid affairs that make you wonder like why would you watch this but (laughs) you know there's a payoff at the end you know there's drama coming it's like if you go to a, a shitty movie you don't know if you'll be entertained. You can wait for something to happen. Something might never happen. Same with a, like a piece of theater in, in Broadway. You can go and watch a play, and it's not going to be very good. But you know there's a payoff coming. <laughs> Penalties or, or, or a goal in extra time. You always know there's something coming. So My favorite moment, and watch how I transition. This is why I'm a professional. My favorite moment, I listen to you, ESPN Court Offside podcast, is when Harry Kane, the game was over, and he's given his like press conference interview and he has like he's choked up saying we won like he was a fa- he became he transformed back to being a kid saying we just won England yeah. just won we beat the ghosts of the penalty kicks like and yeah. he was choked up that yeah. was my favorite moment because it showed you you know I'm a diehard sports fan if okay A-Rod wins a title with the Yankees oh I always dreamed about being a Yankee no you didn't Harry Kane grew up England fan he's right. and that was such a moment for him. that was my favorite moment of the tournament so far yeah and, and I, I think you also have to look at his personal journey too because when he was on loan at Norwich or on loan at Millwall from Spurs and he wasn't scoring even on loan at the, or at least not scoring much uh, he could never have dreamt that he'd be in that position playing for his country uh, with, the, with the seasons he's had behind him but also be one of the guys who be an integral part of the team that broke one of sports' longest-running hoodoos, England not being able to win penalty kicks. He right. couldn't have envisaged it. So it's got to mean a lot. Don't tell me he's not thinking of, like, the dressing room in Mil- Millwall, like, where the fans are, like, they're like rabid am- animals. And so <laughs> if they've got a lone striker from a club they can hate, like Spurs, and he's coming off and he hasn't scored, can you imagine the abuse he got? Can you imagine the things that were said? Can you imagine what those fans are now saying about him? 
let's some th- journey. Let's talk Final Four. Good or bad that there's such European dominance now in the Final Four? It's fine. I think okay. It's, I think it's okay. I, I mean, the tournament is what it is. Uh, I think Uruguay, had Uruguay had Cavani, had, had uh, Christian Stuani actually attack the ball rather than just let it be headed past, you know. Um, if you break down that set piece on the first French goal, that Uruguayan defending for once in the tournament wasn't great. So, so Uruguay could have been further on. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Croatia, England. Let's talk about the game. Am I wrong or am I an asshole? Because I want England to lose now because of the way they're acting. I watch them in the bars going crazy. I'm like, oh, I want to be there. And then I hear, oh, they just stormed into an Ikea in England. Like, uh, it bothers me. I want them to lose now. Am I wrong to want them to lose? We have a bottle open if you want. Yeah, no, no, no. You're not wrong. Um, why, why would you be wrong? I want them to lose now bad. I don't know if I want them to lose now, or this is me being like obsessive sports fan. I want them to lose in the finals. That's what I want, because I think it will hurt them more. Um, oh, I want them out now at this point. Oh, you uh, want them to lose to Croatia? Oh, you too? Yeah. Um, I've had enough, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, there's a brilliant article by, by Ken Early in the Irish Times, who, who kind of, because there's a lot of people who, we don't hate this team. Um, like we, we hated a thing like the golden gen- generation where we felt it was like rammed down our throats and we wanted them to fail. <laughs> like this team are like much more likable. I mean, I don't know how you can't like Harry Kane apart from the, the goal at the end of the season which he kept claiming, you know, like obsessively claiming. Apart from that, um, you, can't, you can't really, what's to hit about, you know, like Jordan Pickford? It's a great story. What's to hit about, you know, Maguire who was at 2016 Euros as a fan and now is... <laughs> You know, heading home goals. What's the hate about? Um, but there's, um, as Ken points out in his article, you know, I mean, this, people are, oh, don't be so tribal. Don't be so political. Well, well hang on a second. This is a tournament which is built around nation versus <laughs> <Yeah>. nation. <laughs> you know, there's inherent rivalries there. You don't think the Dutch want to beat the shit out of the Germans every chance they get? And, 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 and that's just like neighborly, ri- na- neighborly rivalry, but also the weight of history in, on, on things. And, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, when it, when it manifests itself in violence, it off- absolutely is. But that says more about the person doing it mm-hmm. rather than the format of... of, of the I mean, tournament. Yeah, if you want to be nicey-nicey about it, let's all just get the best 23 players from each country, put them together and pick teams <laughs> like, it's, like it's summer camp. But that's not what it is. And he kind of, you know, because I've been trying to tread a careful line. You know, I've got a lot of family in England and, and I'm happy for them that England are doing well. And I was in England for a great summer in '96 last time they were in a major championship semi-final. So I understand the buzz. I understand how much fun it can be. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it now. As a, as a, <laughs> as a neighbor and a rival, it's, uh, you know, I've had enough. That's that, and that's totally fair. It's similar to, the, I mean, it's not quite to the extreme, but it's similar to when the people, similar to the Alexi Lawless thing with the USA route for the Mexico. It can't happen. I, yeah, I can't right. do and, it. And, and, and I, how I he, how do he it. doesn't understand that. Like, and I get why he had to do it, in a, in a sense, because why he did it was um, for, you know, I mean, Fox executives, I'm sure, had a word in his ear and was like, Alexi, it would be great if you could <laughs> back the large... I mean, the biggest team in the biggest soccer team in America is the Mexican national team right now, which is just a fact. Which sucks. Which is a byproduct of us not qualifying, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he did it, and, and I get why he did it. But, but more than that, like... Um, he shouldn't have done it because um, rivalries are great in football. They're the whole point of it. In, it's, in it's not against the people. 
No, and there's nothing wrong with the country. It no, just, and, and people, if you go to Twitter, no, a lot of people thought it was like an no, attack on Mexico. No, and no, 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 no. We're no. doing we're doing enough actual attacks. Well, no, it's uh, like, and if people want to take it down that road, they're wrong. But sporting rivalries should be protected. It's one of the last things we can enjoy, and be you know. I, I, that in this strange and messed up world that we're in right now. So no, people conflating it with that were wrong. But Landon Donovan took it down that road, right? Because he deliberately he, tweeted, and he, he responded back to uh, who was it? Tab Ramos. I, I think it was Carlos Bocanegra. Oh, Bocanegra. Yeah, and he he, he sent he took that tweet down because he knew that was a cheap way to do right, it. Exactly. Look, Landon, we know why you um, are are uh, supporting Mexico. It's Bank obvious. Of America. Wells Fargo are giving you a ton of money. That's the facts of it. Just say it. I know. Okay, now, is Croatia that good? Or is it they just get the luck of the draw a lot? Yeah. That whole side of the bracket was... It was a cakewalk. It, it wasn't a cakewalk, but it, it was a very favorable. I mean, you look at the left side of the bracket, you're talking superpowers. Oh, my of, God. Of the soccer, with the exception of England and, obviously, some of the Colombia. Good enough, they're, they're good enough to make it out of the group. But um, if you look at... If you say, I want the left side or the right side, I don't think any team would tell you they want to go to the left side. I'd rather go to the right side. 100%. And... Um Look, you've got to give kudos to England. They, they, they planned as much as you can possibly plan in this tournament. They planned their, their destiny. I'm sure they didn't plan on penalties against Colombia, but, I mean, they were easily the dominant team in that. Again, without cutting them open. Interesting thing for me is you talk about how good are Croatia. Well, how good are England, actually? Outside of set pieces, we've seen they've had one move, that, that, uh, the Lingard goal against Panama, which you could point to and you could say, well, that was a really good orchestrated interplay and passing. But the best passing move of the game against Sweden came by the Swedes when they were 1-0 uh, down, or 2-0 down. I can't remember where, which for, forced the Pickford save. The, um, not the header, the, the second one where he dived to his right. Mm-hmm. So, so how good are England? We've, I, I said, I think I said after the Belgium game, that England could conceivably get to a World Cup semi-final without us knowing how good they are. Which has maybe happened? Which has maybe happened. Now they have all these uh, <clears throat> promo things going on. The Cup's coming home. It's coming home. If they lose, are they? Do they think they're going to win the World Cup right now? I, I think it seems like they do, right? I think so. I think so. I think they and, and they have they have good cause to think that. Sure, um, they've got a striker in form. Uh, they've got a, a competent midfield. They've got players like. I mean, I know we're waiting for him to to explode, but they've got Deliani, Deliali, Jesse Lingard, who can be Raheem Sterling, who can be deadly under day, um, and can make runs that make it difficult for defenders. I mean. That's just a fact. And they've got a solid defense um, and a good goalkeeper. So, so why not? Um, Croatia, the, the worry for Croatia is, is 220 minutes. I mean, how, how much does that sap you? What is the recovery time needed? Um, their goalkeeper was cramping up at the end. I mean, that was strange. Yeah. I, I've never seen that. I think it was the way he dived more than anything for that, for that ball that he got. It was like a, it was a bouncing ball and he went down the road. It was going wide, get, right? It was going wide. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he got up and he, his hamstring, I, I don't know what happened. I think it was. Um, there's an area like it's almost like beside your in, be, in between your groin and your hamstring, and you can cramp high hamstring, and you can cramp up in there. And well, I mean, is a goalkeeper doing enough to cramp up? I don't know. Um, didn't affect them for the most part. Didn't really affect well, them. They in, seemed, in the seemed to work it out. Yeah, well, you often see that with cramp, but it, it was just weird that it happened to him. Um, I mean, I thought Rebic is a good tournament. Um, Mandzukic can hurt you. Uh, Kramaric, when he came on, was good. The midfield is fairly solid. The back line is good enough. Lovren is having an okay tournament. Goalkeeper is good, but not with your heart. Who do you think is going to win? Give me a prediction for the England Croatia game. I, I, I mean, I may hate the thought of it, but I think I, I think, think England, England might shave it. Do you think Croatia is a a byproduct of the of their side of the bracket? 
getting this far, are they about? No. Do you think if they would have been on the left side of the bracket, say exchange, basically any team on the left side? Um, let's. I mean, you have to analyze game by game. They took. They. I mean, it was a comfortable win over Nigeria in the first game. It was a comfortable win over Argentina. The job was done after that. Right. Um, did they? I mean, they made life difficult for themselves against Russia. Uh, obviously, they made life. I mean, they weren't impressive against Denmark, and that's an ordinary Denmark team. Maybe they are. Uh, like I got into a wee a small argument on Twitter, like not a big argument, but it was one of those. Some guy was trying to tell me that the '98 Croatian team that went to the semi-final was a was a lesser team than this one right now, and I don't think it is. I mean, that that team, if you look at the experience in that '98, not an team, expert on the '98 Croatian. Team. The <laughs> Davor Davor <Shukir laughs> played a European Cup winner at Real Madrid. Zvonimir Boban, European Cup winner at AC Milan. Um, I love it. I, I just love... We, we talk Your about ability you. Robert, to, no, do you know we talk about you at work? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> he comes in, he's like, did you listen to the pod? How does he know that trivia question? How did he pull the picture from 1954? Like, Twitter like, account. Yeah. Misspent youth. Yeah. Misspent youth. Um, Robert Prozanetsky on that team as well. These were hardened footballers who, who got the chance by the breakup of the Balkans to play on one team together and... Um, I, I'm not sure about Croatia. Okay. And I'm worried about the fatigue factor. I oh. think England will be fresher. Okay, so I'll, we'll bet England. France, Belgium, heavyweights. Mm. France didn't play. They weren't great early on. They haven't been great at all. But Belgium has been awesome. Um, that Japan hiccup, but they've been good. Or are they just scoring a lot? Is that what? They, are they kind of smoking mirrors by just scoring so much? I think Belgium have played a style of football when they've been good. That is way better than the style of football that France have played when they've been good. There seems to be more of a coherent plan to what Belgium are doing. No. Martinez' plan against uh, Brazil to attack that weak left-hand side was, was very, very good. And they exploited it. And they've, keep, crucially, it's all right saying, identifying a weakness. It's another thing to go and, and, and do it and exploit it. And they absolutely, they absolutely did that. Um, I, uh, when they're in full flow... They've been the best of the of the powerhouse teams of the big teams. They've played the best football. The football Lukaku's played um, at times. Eden Hazard was just magnificent against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have weaknesses, uh, like and they have question marks. I don't know what formation they're going to play as well. Are they going to go back to the three at the back? Are they going to stick with that four at the back when they don't have the ball that they operated against Brazil? And at, at one point it was five at the back. If they go three at the back, do you think they have enough talent to to deal with Mbappe's speed? You see, I wouldn't want to leave any gaps. Like, look, Which would look, lead you to look play how well, four. look, yeah, exactly. Look how well Laxal dealt with the fullback for Uruguay. Dealt with Mbappe. I mean, what did Mbappe really do right. again? And that's not to disparage him. It's just to take away that space. I would play four. I, I wouldn't want. I certainly wouldn't go back to Carrasco and Vertonghen on the same side. Can't do that. Agreed. Um, I'm not sure you can even do uh, Chadley and. Vertonghen on the same side. I would go forward to back. You don't want those guys pulled out, like you said, and, and stretched. Like, that's what Mbappe wants. And oh, yeah. He, he it, will, it opens it up for yeah, him. Yeah, if Martinez does that, he will. France will not play well again, and they will still win. You know, that, that breakout game that everyone's talking about against Argentina was just a, a... I mean, Argentina were a mess. It was built for Mbappe, who is a fantastic player. Don't give, don't give him that. Um I'm not a big uh, PSG guy, but uh, I had never known that Mbappe could outrun defenders like the way he did. It, it was incredible just to watch it on the field. Yeah, uh, he dominated. His best goal was down. his best goal was the goal that Armani got a hand to. 
because that was the quickest thought. Like there was a clump of players and it was broken. But the ball breaks to him. He's gone. T- one touch, one touch, and he, he almost moves it round. Yep. And some, and gets a shot off. It was incredible. Um, I know the straight sprint was good, but he was running against Marcus Rojo. Um, <laughs> but he looked like he was in fast fold. The other he, guy. He, and, oh, definitely. And I knew he was so good when it was last year when the transfer window was coming up, and they kept dropping his name. I'm like, all right. I actually didn't know who he was. Who played for Monaco? Yeah, well, he had that great Monaco. season against Monaco. Okay. Monaco, the season before last. Um, and so PSG uh, worked out this loan deal. Yeah, so now yeah. I heard about him. I'm like, okay. And again, back to FIFA, where I get a lot of my knowledge from. He's one of the fastest guys in FIFA, so I knew this guy's legit. Yeah. And I bought the PSG yellow Mbappe jersey because he's like my second favorite player. So I'm a big fan. You're not a front runner, are you? Not, not at all. all right. I want them to win because I think France, England, that'll be the greatest possible World Cup you can have, nations wise. That's bigger than Belgium, England, don't you think? Is it? I mean, I oh, think, you think it might be close? Like, well, well, well no, well, not game well, wise. His, historic, historically, historically, you know, we'll have talk Hours. about Waterloo, talk about <laughs> Napo- the, the Napoleonic, <laughs> Napoleonic Wars, <laughs> which, if you're into history, is fun. Yeah, definitely fun. And and I think France will be heavily weighted to win that one. Um, but Belgium kind of brings an interesting thing because uh, there's a drive that Roberto Martinez must have. Um, he was seen. Like, Roberto Martin is, is by... Okay, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. But he's English, let's be honest. He spent most of his career at Swansea. His career... His, his best playing years were in the English game. His, his management years of all... Like, his formative management years and anything he's done has been Engli- in the English game. What was okay. his club, Everton? Yeah. And that didn't end well. That ended in ignominy for right. him. It was, it was bad. Um, so so I, I feel as if he's got this... this absolute bond and, ab- and and reason to want to be able to to best England. So a Belgium-England final would be, hmm. for Roberto Martinez to come out on the right side of that, I don't care how stacked Belgium are. Like would the ultimate revenge. Would be huge redemption. It would be a massive victory for a guy. Because when he took that job, I was, I was curious. Not that I don't think he could do international management. I absolutely could, but... His, reta- his reputation was in tatters, so he, he relegated Wigan. I say he relegated with him. He, he got relegated with Wigan, he, and he was a large part of them get relega- getting relegated as the manager, but um, he won them an FA Cup in the same year, so okay. So he gets the Everton job, and his first season as a Everton manager, was, I thought he was, they were excellent. I thought he, 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 had, he was going to bring them back to something like they were in the late 1980s, where they were, for most of the 80s, they were the second best team in England, outside of Liverpool. Um, but it never happened and it fell apart and tactically he was kind of exposed and ridiculed by the English media. Would you say, since you say that happened tactically, would you say that his adjustments in the Belgium-Japan game, were those the best tactical adjustments that were made in the game in order to allow them to come back and and eventually win? Yeah. Wow. So, if before that game I'd said, well, what you need to do if someone had said to me, what Roberto Martinez needs to do is to bring on Nasser Chadley and bring on Fellaini at 2-0 <laughs> down to Japan, I would have been, well, hang on a second. You know, Fellaini was like an, the outside, fact that it got, an outside guy. He, the, he wasn't even a guy, a guy, if you were beforehand. Well, I understand what Fellaini does. He had a magnificent game against, against Brazil, but it, the, those choices, look, I, how he didn't adjust quicker... To, to what happened what was happening on the on the right hand on the left hand side of his defense I don't understand so, so you, I mean I could say yes they were the changes that 
change the game, but why is Belgium 2-0 down to Japan is oh, a better yeah. question. I mean, but the ability to change, I think, says something. Yeah, and uh, but I think it's more the ability to... to s- see Rather forward. than to react. So the, the ability to see forward against Brazil is where I give them the real props. Okay, here we go. Predictions. Well, I wanted to ask JJ something. What, what is your overall impression of... Uh, I know it, on Twitter, it's everyone always complains about it or has debating the VAR system. You son of a bitch. Look at my next thing. VAR. Hey. Good job. Reading the notes. Um, <laughs> I did not read that. That's do cool. Do you know, I haven't hated it. Neither have I. I haven't hated it in the, in the way I thought I would. Um, I still, I'm still not 100% okay with it, but no. it's, it, it, it's done some great things. And I keep going back to this one. I'm like, the stuff that it's got right... I think shows how it can be useful and the things it's got wrong shows you that it's still human beings in that booth and it's still ultimately a human being on the side of the pitch if he wants to look at the screen himself. So I'm not sure how much it really is. The the greater question, is it worth slowing up the pace of the game for what is still often a a subjective decision? You know, a decision that, God, it could go both ways. I think what it's highlighted is the gray areas in the game. What's a handball? What's not? Some of the handballs are working. Like PK's handball. I know his hand is at, quote-unquote, an unnatural look, angle. Right. But look at, the, look at the penalty that was given against, um, yeah, oh, what's his name? Um, I'm trying, for Portugal. Against Iran. How is that? Like, how can you look at that and say that's a penalty? That shows that there's a gray area in the rules, not a problem with VAR. And then the other thing, just to finish on VAR, because I, I think it's worked largely. I'm, I've been largely okay with it. Ronaldo gets sent off. He, that changes the course of that game, changes the course of that group. He should have been sent off, in my view. Yes, I agree. Um, gets, VR gets it right on the penalty. In years gone, the Portuguese penalty, if you remember, Ronaldo's running across the box. He gets, comes into the box and gets hacked down. Years gone by, that's just play on. But, and the referee does a signal for play on, yep. but he gets a word and says, you need to look at that. And that's a perfect functioning of it. But yet Mitrovic, in a crucial game for Serbia... A team that probably shouldn't have gone out, considering how poor the Swiss were then in their next game, in, in the knockout stages. How does Mitrovic get tackled by two guys in the box, get pulled to the ground? And there's no... They don't even look at it. The referee doesn't think, yeah, you know what? That guy's gone over there. There's two guys beside him. Maybe I should have a look at it. So it's application, and I think it's still an acceptance, A, that there's gray areas in the game, and B, that it still comes down to the view of a human. This idea, it's not a robot that's doing it. Right. And at some point, I, I, I think I tweeted it out to you at one point, but the, uh, the VAR, like you said, it comes down to a human, and it's very similar to uh, the referees in hockey in an overtime game, where they don't want to be the person that decides uh, a match. They I don't think it's be inherent big... in a human yeah. being that I don't, I don't want to be the guy to say, that's a penalty, or in hockey, that's a penalty, which gives you a decided advantage. And obviously in, in soccer, it's very different. It gives you an immediate opportunity to score. But I think that's p- part of it, where the, the human being doesn't want to say, I'm going to be the deciding factor in this match by calling down a VAR and say, you know, you should take a look at that. And that's probably a penalty where you didn't call it. Let's just let them play and let them decide it on their own. Yeah, no, where, where linesmen are completely just not calling offside anymore <laughs> is a problem for me. I mean, do your job. You know, don't just leave it to VAR, even though they've been instructed for the marginal ones where they're not sure to leave the flag down. But I agree with that point because if you if you flag every single marginal yeah, but there's a da- there's there's an inherent danger in all of that that the the referee will start to to go to VAR too much. Okay. And then the game starts getting broken up, and also as well, it gives uh, it almost inf- uh, gives a uh, gives a power to the players. You've seen it already. They're constantly surrounding the referee, making the TV <laughs> signal. So that's the new 
waving of the yellow card. Right. Um, so, what yeah. Do you, what do you think, we talk about VAR and referees kind of, what do you think of Mark Geiger's performance in his game in uh, England and Colombia? I Columbia? mean, it, it was, um, I, for, I mean, for me, he, it wasn't because and people got very sensitive about they it. They did. I, I was surprised. I, um, I thought American soccer Twitter is, and just soccer fans in general are, are seem to be very very sensitive. Um, he was bad. He was bad, but he was. Ba- it wasn't so much the decisions for me. I think he got three or four decisions wrong. First of all, to bury us, he's got to go. He's got to be sent off. I mean, and, and to not even c- to use the tools that are there. Um, he allowed Colombian players to bully him. Then England players saw it, and they decided yeah, to bully him. Yeah, got a little him. out of control. Yeah, and I mean, I made the analogy, and I, I heard another guy who I respect hugely make the same analogy on a podcast back home. Um, he reminded me of like the the substitute teacher who's come in, and he's the substitute PE teacher, and he says to the kids, "We're going to play dodgeball, right?" <laughs> or they they bully him into playing dodgeball, and it gets out of control, and he can't pull it back. I mean, there was at points where he was running away. It was like he was having a mental breakdown. And honestly, I thought Mark Geiger should not have refereed again after the Panama-Mexico game three years ago in the Gold Cup. He let that game get so far out of control at the Georgia Dome, there was nearly a riot. Now, that's not saying all American referees are bad or Americans shouldn't be allowed to have referees at a major tournament. It's meaning that this one may not be the guy. You okay with that answer? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I don't remember the Panama-Mexico game, which goes to JJ's... Soccer uh, vast knowledge. knowledge. No, but it's even, even yeah. if you look at the and when you get a chance, look at the video on YouTube. He's just it's more it's like a it's like a it's almost like a police officer in a way. Um, if you have a police officer who's of a certain height but carries himself in a certain way, an authoritative fashion, <laughs> you're not going to mess with the guy. You're going to accept what he's saying to you. And Geiger doesn't have that authoritative fashion. The guy with the um, the comb-over haircut. Yes. I can't think of his he's name. He's the Argentinian guy. He's the Argentinian oh, guy. Oh, is that the guy who doesn't play he, around? Yeah. He, oh, he yeah, he's no joke. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And and also, look at Bjorn Kuyper the other day. England versus, uh, like, admonishing Jordan Henderson, like, to his face. The captain of England. Like, just very simple, very clear, very direct. Now, maybe Geiger develops that. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Prediction, and we're going to have 10 minutes of quick, fun, like, shoot questions. Prediction of that game. England, Croatia. No, Belgium. You oh, Belgium, Fra- you sorry, Belgium, France. Belgium, um, France. Oh, I would love for the wheels to come off for France. Okay, so you want your dream game is Belgium, Croatia. Yeah. And who do you want to win the championship? I think I like Belgium to win it. Okay. Yeah, I do. Danny, I know you want England. Yeah, I like England. Um, I'm going to say England versus France, and I'm going to go with England. Uh, will there be riots in England if they oh win? Oh, my God. I'm, I, I, the reason I, wanna, I want England to win is, <laughs> is because I want to watch those YouTube videos similar to what I watch when the American, when the USA team, when you watch the goal celebrations, the goal celebrations. In the bar of them throwing yes, the exactly. beer. I want to see what England looks like. And we, we talked about this at work. Mm-hmm. We were going to go to, if they do, we're going to go to England just for the, I just for go. the watch party. This is what I said. I said, I, I've been asking everybody. I said, how about this? Eng- Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll know. England plays what? Tuesday or Wednesday? They play Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, they play tomorrow. See what I'm doing there? Because I'm going to put the podcast out Tuesday morning. If they win, I said, listen, let's fly out Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. Just get there for Sunday. <laughs> go to the watch party. Celebrate no. or drown in sorrow and come back Monday. Everyone's like, no. It's like so cheap to fly out there. JJ, you coming? Have you, um, have you been around a couple of hundred England fans when they're six, seven hours into drinking How about this? Six, after winning? 60 or 70 countries? I've never been to England. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? 
I want never, No, I've never been there. It's 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 absurd. The I, countries I've been to are never England. Yeah, I choose your bar carefully. Oh, so it wouldn't be don't even, go to, even in a cel- cel- celebratory fashion? Yeah, even in that. But this, Where, is, this is coming from an Irishman though. I know, I know. I no, know. I've 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 experienced it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't Okay, so let's just do ten minutes of random questions. I'll hit it both. And By both. the way, can I say one thing before? Yeah, of course. One, of the, one, one, one of the saddest things I saw at the weekend was um, the amount of Premier League fans who have support Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever, um, going out wearing their respective Premier League club jerseys and shouting for England at the weekend. Uh, Americans who have it was just it was so sad. It was so terrible to me. It's like first of all, you're missing out on the post-colonial fun. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it, it's fun to to see them crash and burn, and and also as well, it's like a guy walking into a Liverpool bar that's showing the England game, and even the barman's wearing his England jersey, the bar owner's wearing his England jersey, and this guy's coming in in his Arsenal top. It's just amateur. It's order. no good. It just it doesn't look right. You're better than that. Doesn't you know, sit right. Spend a few dollars and buy the England jersey. Is that what you're saying? No, don't do that. Cheer for the cheer for the opposition. Okay, make it fun. Yeah, I want them to lose. Now I'm like. The way they're acting, I want yeah. them to lose, but I want them to lose in the finals, but then I'm always back to, all right, but in the finals, anything can happen. So let's get them out now. I want them to be really, really sad. Well, yeah, you're right, and anything can happen in the final. And it's like, it's just fun to, to I've just, I guess my diet since I've started watching football has been England failure. and uh, That's all you know, really. Yeah, it's hard getting weaned what off. What are they? They have one championship, right? In 50-something? 66. Okay, that's their one title. That's it. Yep. I mean, there was... They qualified in 70. They didn't qualify again until 1982. Oh, God. I want, now I want them to lose really bad. 82. Right, so quick history. Yeah. 66, they won it. 70, they went over. They got to the quarterfinal, and they lost out 3-2 to Germany after, after leading 2-0, right? But that was, that was an interesting tournament because that was in Mexico. Their captain, Bobby Moore, was on a charge, which was frankly ridiculous, of shoplifting during the tournament. So he was arrested in Mexico? during the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. They were worried about... Um, they were worried about the water and the food out there. They wanted their boys to be fed properly. So a company called Findus <laughs> put up crates and crates of like fish fingers, sausage rolls, all the, oh, you know. Fish and chips. All that stuff. And <laughs> it was impounded at the port. <laughs> and the night before the big game, um, their legendary goalkeeper, who had made a brilliant save against Brazil, and I suppose what I guess you described as the group stage, um, uh, oh my god his name Gordon Banks Gordon Banks got food poisoning and they started a, a, the Chelsea goalkeeper at the time and he let in two howlers in that game didn't qualify for the next two World Cups 82 Trevor, Trevor Brooking and Kevin Keegan who were the two best players had injuries so they didn't England didn't do anything in that tournament okay. 86 was the hand of God Maradona where he punched the ball into the net they Just go out header all the way they <laughs> go out they go header. out 2-1 1990, they get to the semi-final. Their last semi-final until this one. Mm-hmm. And the, the Stuart Pearce and uh, Chris Waddle missed penalties. So that's the whole penalty thing starts. Okay. 94, they didn't qualify. 98, they went out in penalties again after a legitimate golden goal was ruled out for Saul Campbell against Argentina. All right? 2002, Ronaldinho, the ball that blows in over David Seaman's head. 2006, the golden generation... Wayne Rooney is sent off in the, in the quarterfinal against Ronaldo, mm-hmm. and it's against his teammate, and Ronaldo's supposed to be faking the injury or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Ronaldo scores the penalty to knock them out. 2010, they get absolutely <laughs> destroyed playing 4-4-2 against Germany, and that's the emergence of Mesut Ozil and Muller and all those guys. 2014, they didn't even make it out of the group. 2016, European Championships knocked out by Iceland. Here we are. 
They have to lose. That no, is, they have to lose. That is, no. a, that is a tale of woe since 66. I need them to lose. All right, so now we're going to go with the last 10 minutes of random questions about everything. Ronaldo plays where next year? Juventus. Definitely. I, it feels like that. He's done his time That's at Real, says. right? He's, he, he, um, it's not even do. based on that. It just seems in the reports that are coming out, it seems pretty strong that he's, he's done a deal there. So. There's Nate, something going on, though, with the ownership there. With him and... Uh, well, Fiat are going to pay a part of his wages, is what I'm um, hearing. And the Agnelli family still are the majority shareholders in, in Juventus, I believe. And have been since, the, since going way back. But... Uh, ba, ba, ba. I mean, I don't know. I, do you think he's the the last thing to put them over the edge now? They uh, no, no. I don't think that midfield is good enough. Next, I, I actually have question marks over Pjanic. I have question marks over signing Emre Chan, and I have question marks over Dybala. So next year, Neymar plays for uh, Real Madrid. Yes, yeah, so I think so. Yeah, that think that so. that's what I think. Now, Mbappe, to fill the, to my fill, second to fill the void. Yeah, I think exactly. If that happens. The only way that happens, I believe, is if Ronaldo leaves and goes to Juventus. Do you think, or do you think that Ronaldo will stay and they'll also bring in Neymar? They won't bring in Neymar while Ronaldo's there. I don't think they'll do that. Now, you tell me Neymar, Real Madrid versus Messi, Barcelona. That is incredible. This is such guesswork, though, guys. I know, but I got, now I'm excited. Okay. Who became a star this World Cup? Every world, is it Mbappe? Is he the, the next... Heir apparent, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. To 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 the guy who didn't, who doesn't remember two seasons ago, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much football these days. I don't blame him. To the guy, because I mean, he was injured pretty much for a large portion of last season with PSG. So yeah, Mbappe is is one of those that's broken out and come into the consciousness. Um, I think England has a few players like uh, Maguire and Trippier who are now. Uh, you know, from a guy who was in and out of the team at Spurs, Trippi is kind of elevated a little bit further. His haircut, his haircut helps with that. Though. I don't know why people are commenting. <laughs> on Seriously, I'm wondering, like, but what is it specifically like? Because this guy on Twitter said, "Oh my God, why has no one talked about Trippier's haircut?" <laughs> like, is it that? Is it that bad? He's got like the line in it, which like a lot of players have. I like it, and I think it's naturally curvy, so there's a bit curly, so there's a bit of a wave <laughs> on top. I like it, but uh, you know, and um, it's all the rage. I think, I think actually, Yeri Mina as well. Um, has after finishing the season not strongly with Barcelona and not really getting a game up until the last few games and then giving away the being part of the the reversal against was it Alavish where they they lost the unbeaten season. Uh, Yerry Mean is another one. Jordan Pickford is another one now that's uh, in our in our the consciousness goalie, yeah. as well. And I think Lukaku for. <laughs> It just shows what Lukaku can do when you play to his strengths and intelligence and rather don't use him as a battering ram, as Mourinho occasionally does. Because he's that good. I mean, look what he did to, look what he did to them. And, and also, I think Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard presents a real problem for Chelsea now with the performances he's putting in. Um, and he says he's committed to staying at the club, but Conte still stay, remains at the club uh, for now. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to ask you a question now because I, I had an argument with a guy I work with, an argument with John. Which is more important, more prestigious, winning your league title, Premier League, La Liga, or winning Champions League? Uh, uh, win, winning the Champions League. Yeah. Because I'll tell you now. So I said it was because we – I know it's going to – Ronaldo Messi, we had the joke. He's a huge Barcelona-Argentina guy. I'm like, dude, I'm like, Ronaldo kind of wins every year. Oh, Messi wins La Liga. I'm like, but dude – Real Madrid went three. No, it means nothing. Champions League is yeah, but don't forget if if, if you want to say like it's two periods, um, Ronaldo won 
champ, multiple Champions Leagues in a, in a period where Real Madrid, Madrid, we can say, has dominated the tournament. But Messi did the same, mm-hmm. 08, 09. But Champions League is probably more prestigious than winning... It's the premier competition. That's it. All, it's the, all champions, all. No, it's the champions. It's, it's the European Cup. Yeah, it's, it, of course it is. Yeah. As a huge Liverpool fan, were you disappointed in Salah? Not for the, obviously, Champions League, for the way he played in the World Cup and mm-hmm. how it kind of got a little, like, messy towards the end? No, it's... Um, he was, I don't think he was 100% fit. I mean, he looked okay against Russia, but at the same time, like, there wasn't enough. That, that team had problems in other areas. It's, would you equate that very similar to the Messi problem? Where as they, they weren't able to use him to his abilities and to feed the ball to him. I, I think they were very unsure as to how fit he was. They were, they were trying to do this balancing act where an entire nation wanted him to play. Oh, yeah. And um, it was a weird moment during the Uruguay game, which was their opening game, and he's, the camera pans to the side, and he's, he's got his shin, his shin pads out. So he's putting his shin pads out, uh, put, uh, shin pads on, and I'm like, he's going to come in. And I thought that was a game to give him 20 minutes. Now, they probably looked at it and thought, look at the way Uruguay defend. This is not the game I want to introduce my, you know, uh, possibly shoulder-injured right. player into because, well... The physical play. Right, and that was a worry for them. So if they've got that worry about his shoulder, then he was never 100% fit. So I, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about it. Like... If you're asking me, do I think he'll have a, a less productive season than last season? Possibly, but I mean, last season was off the charts. So. I finished up my notes. I re- we already touched on Qatar. USA getting the bid. Right. How important is that? And it's a two-part question. How important was it for the USA not being in this tournament? Did that really hurt fandom or maybe the growth of USA soccer? What we missed out was the big game days. The three game days are guaranteed where everybody gets together, everybody plans around it, and the country kind of comes to a stop in that sense. Honestly, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised. Everybody's watched the game. Mm-hmm. They found a root in interest, whether they've uh, gone to the bar or not, whether they've, uh, you know, I don't think, I actually don't think it's, I think we've weathered the storm. Okay. I don't hey, think personally for me, and I'm sure for even for Andrew, it's, it's difficult to watch a World Cup and not have our own team in it. Just, it, just but, from I, a, but, I, but I doubt it is, though. Honestly, though. I, I, like, I, at, what, at what point in Spain-Portugal, at what point in those games were you like, oh, I wish we were here? But does the average guy even turn into that game? I know I am. I'm tuning into that game. The average person... The numbers who, who, say they are, though. Be, yes, because they had the most, watched, the most amount of people, and that might have something to do with the fact that Ronaldo was playing. Just merely on that fact. Yeah, but I, I like some of the other games had had serious numbers. Like where there wasn't like Ronaldo or Messi involved, and then um, the streaming numbers as well. Again, it's I think it's back to giving bigger credit to to the U.S. soccer fan. I think they're engaged. I think they love it, and I think what we always worry about is like it's like this harvester every four years in in, in the United States where the World Cup comes along and we harvest more fans. We get yep. more fans. I think that's happened without the USA being involved. In 94, and please correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they make a rule change with the goalie that he couldn't pick up the ball in the world? There was some... It came in and at the start of qualifying for 94, so it was 1992. And people were very, like, against that, right? Weren't people pissed about it? Well, it, uh, it was the... I think it's, it's very... It's, it was very beneficial to the game because what ended up happening is you, the defender would pass back to the, the goalie and he mm-hmm. would just pick the ball up. And you would never have an, an, a mistake like you did in the, um, in the Argentina game yes. where they passed it back to the goalkeeper now he has to and kick it out. To, yeah, he's got to kick it out. He, he can't control the ball. It forces the goalkeeper to participate more in the game. 
Um, that change was was in, was brought in after Italia 90, which was generally considered to be the, the dullest World Cup of, of the year, and that rule was prevalent. So there was teams like my own Republic of Ireland who would look to kill a game. Okay. And they'd pass it amongst the back four, and then they'd knock it back to the goalkeeper who could pick it up, take, a f- take more than a few seconds, yeah. bounce it, and then boom Boot it down it. the field. So the reason I ask that is, do you think now there's going to be any changes coming up with I hate the PKs at the end of the game. I know it's a necessary evil. Any changes you see possible that should happen, could happen, or have been discussed? I don't, I don't think penalties Nothing. are going anywhere. Okay. Um, I think VAR has been such a big step for, for one tournament, especially to introduce it in a World Cup where it's even had problems in like it's had problems in MLS and, and the Bundesliga. So it's a big it's a big thing to bring it into a World Cup. Um, I, I can't see. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're going to go and they're going to have a real solid look at handball. And they're going to try and, and, and figure out. And maybe they'll go the way that everything that touches a hand is a handball. And they're not going to talk about deliberate or, or, or anything like that. Or Which that. will force the defender, when, when you watch them play defense, they all hold their hands behind their back. Mm-hmm. They've started they, to do they, it anyway. That, that's kind of what the defender does. Uh, the one difference that, that I think will... Um, I just lost my complete train of thought. But um, what do you think of the way that the teams advance out of the group play with the FIFA fair play points? Yeah. yeah, that was very difficult to swallow. I didn't, I didn't like it, but draw, drawing lots is even more unpalatable, probably. Um, I know you talked about it on the, on the podcast, uh, caught offside, but is there any other statistic or... I, I, that, I honestly that haven't... Uh, because it only came up with Japan, and Japan then put in that good performance against Belgium, and almost just like I forgot about it a little bit. So I haven't really thought about it in any depth. A listener came in and said, well, you know, why don't you get the two teams together that are basically tied on it? No, you can't. You can't because of of travel restrictions. And and do penalty kicks or something like that. And and that's, I mean, that's just not going to... No, I know you can't. Logistically, that's not going to work. I mean, everyone would tune in and there are millions, but it wouldn't... I don't know how how they would work that. Those points are very uh, referee... Oriented, judgmental. Yeah, oh like, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's a tough way to decide who's going to advance and who doesn't. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I, I really don't know. I mean, shots on target as well doesn't even work because I mean I can send a dri- six, six or seven dribblers back to the goalkeeper and it's like a shot on target. <laughs> well, well, what do you think? Something has that that sucks. It goes down to a yellow card. That that sucks. Well, I think the way they look at it is it only happened once this tournament, thankfully. So and take the L, but hey, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they'll they'll sweat it too much. I wouldn't think. All right, so now for your podcast as we wrap up, because The Void's coming. When are you doing your podcast now? You're doing, obviously, Thursday, right, or Wednesday night? So we're going to do Tuesday and Wednesday to cover both semifinals. Um, Individually? Individually, yeah, or? we're gonna we're gonna cover both. Oh, nice. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because you know what, it's it's getting to the end, so it's it's kind of worth it. Then we're gonna try and figure out what we're gonna do. I'm pretty sure we'll have a reaction pod straight away, instantly on Sunday. So you'll have that for Sunday night. Well, actually. Considering the time of the kickoff on Sunday, you'll probably have it for the afternoon and for the evening and for Monday morning. Um, we're also more. I think. I think we might be on the air on Saturday. I think I'm almost definitely going to be on ESPN New York on Saturday, ninety eight point seven, around two o'clock. So tune in. Um, Hopefully, I think me and Andrew were talking about trying to wangle a live show on either Saturday or Sunday. That'd be fun. Mm. That would be great. Two questions: One, where do you wa- where are you watching the World Cup final? Any idea yet? We, uh, we we don't know because we're, we're gonna we're gonna watch it together, obviously, and we're but we're trying to make a plan that means we can get to the studio and, and do what we got. to oh, do. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's the. I have not watched many. I watched one game out all tournament, and I like. People say, oh, you know, does that take the fun out of it? That's not really the point, though, for us. I don't, I, I don't watch games, and this is going to be me being, I guess, maybe an elitist. I don't like going out to watch games. I like to watch it in my house, 
unfortunately, sometimes at work, I don't want to be at a bar. I with, miss too much, well, honestly. And 95% of the people there aren't real sport fans. They go in there to drink. I don't want to come to... On this is where Jack Dempsey's. I don't come here for Kentucky games because it's ninety-five people just coming here to get hammered and just not watch the game. And I need to hear every announce. Yeah. I want the squeak of the sneakers. I don't want to. I I think a game that I'm not like a game I'm not bothered about. Like, you know, I could see myself watching the championship final or something like that. Uh, but I don't. I don't like. I just, especially when you're going to go on a podcast, you're trying to collect your thoughts. What's what's the key things that happen? You don't want to really miss out on anything, and you want to be able to give a, like a relatively opinionated take on it. So, um, sorry, a relatively well-informed take on it. So, yeah, um, we'll figure that one out. And, um, yeah, podcasts coming tomorrow and Wednesday, or Tuesday and Wednesday. Quote offside podcast question, because I just started listening probably the past six months to a year. Mm. Uh, What happens in August when there's no games? You guys still do? Is Uh, it a slow time? No, no, it's not really, because what happens is straight away you are into the start of the preseason. Like, we, we literally have... International champions like come. a week, and you'll have yeah you'll have you'll have you'll have preseason. You also have people who are like, oh, you're not talking about the MLS, and so we'll have to. Oh, go so back. Danny's been tweeting you again. Hey, listen, <laughs> Danny hasn't, but I'll just I gotta take it when I can get it. It's, yeah, you know. no, we'll be we'll be getting back into MLS and and looking at that because that's been, I mean, that's a dredge. Oh well, we haven't even talked about it. I mean, it's not the derby at the weekend wasn't insp- inspiring, but I think there's a few factors that play into that as well. It's getting increasingly harder to countenance soccer at Yankee Stadium. It's very. I'm am su- surprised that a team like uh, the New York and NYCFC has not been able to put it together to create their own soccer specific stadium. I, I'm it's not con- considering planning and zoning laws in the city. Considering how they want to, you know, hold on to that cachet of being a city site. When you do that, and when you put yourself into that narrow frame, the options are like, look, I mean, the Jets never got their West Side dream stadium um for obvious reasons and like well they had the whole belmont park attempt which it, never took do you not off. think that's too far though like the islanders are there now so they can forget right about yeah it. forget about that idea but uh, the other places they're talking about i'll tell you there's you, a large soccer population in long island that yeah but would have gone there yeah, in a heartbeat but, yeah but brooklyn people like me we're just not gonna oh go you're not gonna go there we're not gonna no. go there uh, seriously it's amazing how uh, people won't travel what w- you would think were, were legitimate distances. Um, but no, there's all transfer talk. The Premier League will be starting again. Um, and it's amazing. You'll ramp, you'll start start thinking about the Premier League and you'll ramp into that. So it, the game doesn't stop. There's always lots mm-hmm. to talk about. It might give us an opportunity to do some things that we haven't done. Like there's a few interviews that um, I want to talk to. Um, I want to talk to a few people who I will not list now because they're escaping me. I'm so, my mind is so frazzled with World Cup stuff. But like, there's so many people that um, we want to talk to before the season. So, it, it, like, honestly, it Mike, Mike, it doesn't oh. stop. So, we're gonna we're kind of wrapping up the uh, the World Cup, and uh, obviously the United States was there, but wasn't there. But what do you think of the upcoming USA friendlies against top, top, top competition? And um, I'll be I'll be there in Jersey versus Brazil. Um, Mike, you going to join us? I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> I saw how much tickets were. I've seen that much money. I can't afford that. I mean, that's it's, it's that's a disgrace as well. Uh, and and U.S. soccer. I mean, we've come out with another you president. Travel, you travel to Russia <laughs> and to go supposedly watch a game, never step into a stadium. Yeah. Fly back and you can't go to across the George Washington nope. Bridge. No. And and you know what though? I mean, <laughs> we forget this guy who's. <laughs> Clearly a fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, people are getting rinsed for those tickets. 
Look, they're friendlies. They are. They're friendlies. If we've learned anything, if we've learned anything from the journey we've been on um, the last few years with Jurgen and with Bruce, the two wins against uh, the Netherlands and who else did we beat? We beat Germany. Germany in Germany. Meant nothing. I agree. Uh, next, who knows what the competition is going to face? to nothing. And um, hosing fans to go to... I mean, I know they got to pay rent on the MetLife, but this is an organization we know is turning over lots of money and seems to have no shame about what happened last October. None. That's a valid point. Yeah, um, exactly. They should look after their fans much, much better. I mean, the uh, American Outlaws tickets... Their bargain ticket is 78 bucks. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting upper deck 11 rows from the top of the stadium, yeah. and it's $96. And how many people are you taking? I'm taking six. He makes a lot of money. For God's sake. <laughs> you should go into his profession. Not, I don't care how much he makes. That's wrong. That's just wrong. It's, it's, I'm not disagreeing. Upper deck. Yep. That's a $1,000 night. Seriously, that's a, that's a $1,000 night. Yeah, 324 It's probably more than that considering yeah. they're going to want to eat. No, my kids are eating at home. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're not eating there. Yeah, you're parking then and everything. Yeah, they, they charge you twenty five dollars to park the car. And this is where we're at, and and this is a, feeds into a larger thing about like this overwhelming need to not just monetize things. I understand that, but to gouge fans, that's that's disgraceful. Like you're a soccer guy, your kids, your fa- your family's a soccer family. What? Like you'll follow this team to the end to the ends of the earth. That should not be a reason to take advantage of you. It shouldn't be. And and you, anyway, I won't get up because um, I don't want to end on a negative. But um, right. what do I think of these friendlies? Uh, you think it's sort of any any type of barometer, or the the fact that their their competition will be complete BC squad? Nothing it means nothing, and but that's a Brazil team. I mean, how much? Oh, they, they're not going to bring anybody. Like Lord Almighty. Yeah, like when you when you think about what they've been through I mean they're probably going through the national interrogation <laughs> right now I don't I mean the, the USA friendly and don't forget we put in a decent performance against them in the MetLife the last time um, and they're a traveling circus that's another thing about them I mean the um, Brazilian FA it's not even them that organizes it they've leased this out to some company who makes oh, really? okay. billions off bringing this team around that's why when you see weird games like they had a bunch of friendlies at Wembley Brazil yes. did that's all because it's a it's a separate company that uh, organizes this thing. It's gotcha. a, um, a, an entertainment company, so um, it means nothing, absolutely yeah, yeah. Okay. nothing. Do you know what the most important thing is? You do a little do a little list, right? So get out your A4 spreadsheet paper and you write down all the players that you, the young players and and the players who are really in line to play that are playing in Europe, right? And you go week one, week two, week three of the respective leagues, and you go through and you see how many minutes they're playing and just mark it off. See how they're just how many minutes they're getting. Are they starting? Are they coming on? What are they doing? That's the most important thing. I'm, I'm 100% convinced of it. We don't even have a manager yet. The women's yeah. team doesn't even have a GM. And Cordero is getting pats on the back for bringing a, a tournament eight years down the line. That he really had much to do with the organization. It was mostly Sunil Ganella. Yep. So there we are. Andrew's going to be very upset. This went 21 minutes over the hour threshold that he only allows. Good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> no one is listening. It is a wilderness out they there. They turned it off. But you could just watch it on the one and a half, 1.5, 1.2. Uh, no, listen to it full, please. This is big news. It's going to be a big audience. It's going to be on Westwood One. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a little, little tidbit there. Oh, interesting. Oh, I'll tell you about it when the mics go off. All right, all right. Yes, sir. There we go. Danny, JJ, thank you. By the way, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Um, 
is your uh, okay? Is your app going to be ready for football season? Oh, okay, okay, the Mike Sappho app or the Mike's on app? Okay. Well, I'm not going to make any comments because I'm very good friends with Mike's producer who listens to my podcast. So yes, <laughs> the app. Buy Mike Francesa's app. <laughs> I'll take that part out. We're going to have a lot of we're going to have a lot of different elements. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Back after this. <laughs> 